Welcome to the Redeemed Women Podcast. I'm your host, Paige Bierman. Y'all, this is our last episode of season two, and I'm so stoked because we're ending it with two of my favorite people, Madeline Markham and Kate Fluker. Both of these women are just dynamite and have made such an impact on this church over their years of being here. Um, They are both home group leaders as well as leaders in other aspects of ministry, but really what the two of them and and I talk about today is singleness and being a single woman at Redeemer. I am so grateful for the grace and mercy they gave me in navigating this conversation as I have not been a single woman in almost 10 years. So um, I'm just thankful that they would share and um, share their, their personal stories on how things have gone really, really well and sometimes when things have been really hard. And so I hope that you find this conversation encouraging and insightful. And without further ado, here's our conversation with Madeline and Kate. Guys, this is going to be the last episode of season two. We're, we're really ending with a bang. Like metaphorically and literally a bang. Um, I'm super stoked to have you guys here. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot about your personal stories, your upbringings, um, your experiences within Redeemer, but we're going to talk about being single ladies. Um, like maybe I should put in the background like Beyonce's single ladies dance All the or single something. Ladies. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. The one that they play at every single wedding. Um, <laughs> but before we really dive in let's um let you guys introduce yourselves uh, madeline do you want to get started just tell us a little bit about you what do you do like how do you feel your days a little bit of your upbringing that kind of stuff cool um so i'm madeline markham um and i grew up in birmingham um and yeah like i'm like where do you start with your life story uh, <laughs> or what which part of it do you give um but yeah, I grew up in Birmingham, and I think we'll get into more of kind of that kind of part of things later, but grew up in the church, and I've been at Redeemer about 10 years. Wow. Um, I'm an editor um, of Community Magazine, so that's most of what I do um, during the day, mostly work from home. Um, and I don't know if we want to get into like our Redeemer stories. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So tell me, 10 years ago, how did yeah, you, so you get it was here? Like, it was 10 years ago this month, so June of 2011. Okay. Um, and I um, had been moved back home to Birmingham. Originally thinking, I didn't know if I would stay. And so I went to the church I grew up in, and then I had moved in with roommates in Crestwood. And it was kind of a time in life where I was like, okay, I'm staying in Birmingham. I had gotten a full-time permanent job. Um, and I was like, I need to kind of find my place here and my people. Um, and kind of had in mind of a kind of church I might want to kind of find. And the first thing I tried was um, the church that was meeting in the neighborhood at the time that I had some neighbors that went to. Um, and... It was, yeah, so when it was, was Redeemer was in the Girls Inc. building okay. in Crestwood. And what I remember most from going that first time I went was, A, I went not knowing anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I walked in and ran into somebody I'd gone grown up, grown up in church with and went to high school with. And then she introduced me to a few of her friends, and it was Common Meal. So they invited me to stay, and I, oh, like, yeah. talked to some people. Um, and I just remember in the end thinking these people, like, really know each other. Um, mm-hmm. And I never visited another church. So. There we go. Mm-hmm. And I also remember that um, that was like the 
projector era. Oh, yeah. Um, when, like, the worship lyrics were up on the overhead projector, like, old school. And, like, an old school projector, <laughs> like, the ones that they would, like, ride on, yeah. like, a transparent. Yes. Transparency, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, and I remember, think, like, just kind of loving that there was no, like, bells and whistles. It was just, like, we are here to, like, worship and preach God's word and be a church and not anything else. Yeah. I mean, other things. But. Yeah. All right, Kate, tell us all about you. So my name is Kate Fluker, and I grew up an army brat. So when people ask me where I'm from, I say everywhere and nowhere, mm. because definitely don't have a, a, a typical hometown or a typical, you know, growing up in so-and-so place story. But anytime I go onto any military post, like, that feels like home, even if I've never lived there before. Yeah. It's like this, oh, this is, this is what I know. Yeah. Um, but I, um, I actually graduated from high school in Germany and then had no clue about colleges in the U.S. So I was just like, well, I'm going to go where my parents went. So I went to Auburn. Oh. And um, yeah, so did that in the era of like no smartphones. So my parents were still over in Germany. And that was quite the experience being in the U.S. on my own for the first time with my parents in another continent. But yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was, I mean, it was great. It was a learning experience. Um, loved my time at Auburn. And then I graduated with uh, an accounting degree and came here to Birmingham and thought I would be in public accounting for like two years and then get out and then probably get married and have kids and like all this other stuff. And then I actually really loved my job, which mm-hmm. <laughs> they kind of don't prepare you to love public accounting, even though that's what they're training you for. Um, and so I've actually been at that same firm for the last almost 11 years Wow! and have loved it. They've been wonderful. Um, I work primarily with construction contractors. So, you know, something every little girl dreams of being and mm-hmm. accounting, accounting for construction contractors. Yep. Um, <laughs> but really I've enjoyed it. I've loved the relationships I've made there. I've been at Redeemer for seven years, I think. So basically as long as we've been in the, this building. This building. Yep. Um, and my journey here was sort of roundabout. I started in, um, at Brook Hills okay, because that's kind of, I lived in Southern Birmingham. I worked down there and then I, they had a church plant in Eastlake. And so I moved to Eastlake, joined that church plant. And after a few years, like we had so many people move out of the area that we got so small. And I was like, I really need something bigger. I need something like with just more people, more community for me to connect with. And even though I loved Brook Hills, it was now 45 minutes from yeah. my house. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. So I had heard about Redeemer and I was like, oh, I'll go visit there. So I went by myself one Sunday, and similar to what Madeline, I walked in the door, and Shelly Lauderdale, now Coscarie, uh-huh. was standing there, and I was like, oh, we had gone to Auburn together. We yeah. had uh, been friends and, you know, acquaintances through uh, a campus ministry, and so it was nice to see a face I knew, and so I, yeah, I don't, I didn't visit anywhere else either. I just mm-hmm. have been here ever since and love it. Gosh. So fun story. Shelley Lauderdale Coscar is also the person. That no I know. way. So apparently all, all, all roads go back all to Shelley. All to Shelley. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Shelley. Well, and I think at that point, I don't know if she was like officially a deacon yet, but like right around that time, she was like deacon of hospitality or something. Oh, yeah, so she like, was greeting at the she door. She was greeting at the door. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So like, of course, (laughs) of course, there are probably a lot of people who are like, I'm here because of Shelly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Like, yeah, that's that's a good person to know. Um, So, Kate, one of the things that you kind of brought up was you're like, okay, I just kind of figured I'd go to Auburn, get this job. I don't know, maybe get married, whatever. That's kind of what we're talking about. That's yeah. why, I mean, that's why we're here today to talk about y'all, <laughs> but also to talk about how both of you now are in your 30s and you're single, um, ready to mingle. And yeah. I couldn't go without making that joke. I, it's okay. I, it's, it's even in our like show questions. It is. It's, you know, you knew it was coming. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I just want to like talk about what that experience has been like for both of you. And obviously you are different people. So you've experienced the highs and lows of singleness in different ways. Um, and then also what that has looked like in the church. So I think probably to get us started, you know, both of you have talked about like this picture that you thought your life would look like and this timeline or whatever it is. And I think, I mean, I totally can relate to that. Like I think as a little girl, it was like, okay, great. So I'm going to go to college and then I'm going to get married and then I'm going to have babies. And that is what my life will be. Um, And many, many women probably are the same. So where do you think that comes from? Where, like, is that, do y'all think that's, like, good, bad? What, like, where, let's talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I, like I said, grew up in the military. Mm -hmm. And um, I can maybe count on one hand the number of single women adults that I encountered in my life. Really? Yeah. I mean, it just... Where Do you think that... Would the single women mainly be, like, active military? Yeah. They, they would have probably been, like, enlisted or active yeah. duty, like, yeah. and... Because I that, imagine all the other women were, like, spouses. spouses. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, I grew up and I grew up around my friends, and so I saw their parents... And it was almost always stay-at-home moms because mm-hmm. having a job as a military spouse is very yeah. difficult with all the moving around. And then in the church, the church was you know made up of all the military people, and it was usually families. Yeah. And the military is definitely not as cultural Christianity as yeah. you find in the South. And so... For the most part, the churches that I went to were made up of families. Mm-hmm. And if there were single people, it was usually single men yeah. that were there, single single male soldiers that were at the church. And so, honestly, I didn't really ever see anything else. Yeah. Um, and so it was sort of my expectation. I was going to grow up and be like my mom. Like, mm-hmm. I loved having my mom at home. I loved... You know, just the idea of having a family one day. Because I have a great family, loved my family. And so I just thought, you know, I'm going to grow up and that's going to be my life. Like, I had no other dreams. Yeah. And not because I felt like it was necessarily forced on me. It was just like, that's what I knew and that's what I wanted. You know, I even pictured like, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to marry somebody in the military. And that's going to be my life. Like, it's going to look like what I know. Yeah. And I don't know that it was right or wrong. But I definitely look back and like kind of wish for my younger self that I had had somebody to kind of look at and see that the the other options that there are. Yeah. Because 
as we'll talk about, you don't have a whole lot of control over. <laughs> no, you really don't. Whether or not that happens. And so. Well, and even like the kid portion. Like, great. Right, let's say right. you can't get married. Yeah. Like, you can't just force yourself to get pregnant. Exactly. Like, I mean, yes. all of life is learning you cannot how force little control picture. we have. Yes, you cannot yeah. force your picture to happen. And so I wish that I had seen and experienced those different opportunities so that when it didn't happen for me, it wasn't as crushing as and like it felt like, OK, I've seen how this can be like a really wonderful life giving Mm-hmm. experience I will say my aunt is single okay and she so she has really been like my touch point of like what single women like what they what a life like that looks like because mm-hmm. I really haven't had anybody else but yeah mm-hmm. I, I would say I don't know that it's right or wrong but it definitely I wish that I had had other examples yeah. growing up yeah yeah. I think my story is similar to Kate, only the non-military version. I would be the, the Southern, grew up in the suburbs version of that story, which similar to you, like, I can't recall knowing any women who weren't married or really even any women who didn't have children. Mm-hmm. And maybe I encountered them, but they weren't significant people in my life. Like yeah, everyone yeah. in my family pretty much was married by their mid to late 20s and then had kids. And then my mom stayed at home with us, which was a wonderful experience that she started working again when I was like in middle school or high school. Mm-hmm. So kind of what I knew was a mom who stayed home and like a really rich family life. And I think I've only recently realized how much like how you grew up forms, how you assume that your life will go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and even like, cause my kind of default or whatever thinking coming into my twenties was like, you know, I went to college, got a degree, like had an idea of what I wanted to do professionally, but there was never like, I never had like professional goals or like certain things I wanted to do. It was like, you know, you're supposed to pick a job. Like you have to yeah. like pick a career and yeah. have a major. And so I remember like thinking like, oh, well, I'll work for magazines. But also that could be something that's flexible. That's really good. Mm-hmm. You could do freelance or part time. Like if you know, it's presuming good when I when I have yeah. like kids, then that'll be a good option yeah. for that. And so, yeah, I think a lot of it is just not seeing anything different. And so mm-hmm. you just kind of assume and really most when I think about the groups of people I went to college with, the groups of people I knew in my early to mid 20s, most of those people have gotten and married and had kids. So it is the story that a lot of people come across. So it yeah. kind of it makes sense that that mm-hmm. is like what you think. But I think something that was helpful for me, even though I didn't grow up knowing single women, as I got into my 20s, I started meeting people who are always a little bit older than me and making friends with people a little bit older than me who were single. And it was always helpful to have even just like a, someone a couple years ahead of me in that journey mm-hmm. to see like, oh, like mm-hmm. they're still living a good life. And it's funny now I'm 30. I feel like it's relevant to share ages. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm 35. And I feel like at 25, I remember thinking 28 was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this person, this poor person, they're still yeah. they're 28 and still single. And then you get to 28 <laughs> and you're like, oh, that 35 year old, like, oh, like she's in her 30s and she's mm-hmm. still single. Um, um, but it was so, and even now I know people who are like five years older than me who are single, yeah. and that's always been really helpful just to even have that example of mm-hmm. seeing other people live it and live it well. And it's not like because I think a big lie that's easy to believe is just like if it doesn't happen to you that like your life is all of a sudden over, mm-hmm. you know? Which is like when you say it out loud, it sounds ridiculous. But when you're like 25 and thinking about that's how you're going to get married like. by 30, yeah. then you're like, if I'm not married by 30, what is mm-hmm. my life? And that biological clock, she keeps on ticking. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was about to say, I feel like, yes, it's the marriage portion, but it's also the desire for motherhood Mm -hmm. that I'm sure also kind of prompts the, like, 
well, I want to be married a couple of years before I have kids. And mm-hmm. if I get married here, then that means I'll have kids here. And Right. Yeah. It's, a, it's a thing it's that, that guys don't have to think about as much. Yeah, because they can be 80 and still have children. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. But you know, there is Sarah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. miracles do happen. No, she and Abraham were as good as dead. <laughs> good as dead. Um, well, no, and I think, you know, one of the things I kind of wanted to hone in on both of you kind of talked about like there being this time or like this age even of like this feels really crushing like was there like a moment in your 20s or something like that where you're like wait this might not happen for me like because I think you said like yeah and then it was like crushing Mm -hmm. and obviously I see you um and I see you a lot in just like life and church life and that kind of stuff you do not appear to be a woman who is under the burden <laughs> of crush, like being crushed. Yes. But like, was there a moment or was there a season where you felt like, oh, this hope is gone or something like the, the what explain what you mean by like that crushing. So. um, I think I don't know that it was a moment. I mm-hmm. think it was definitely a season like I. And sort of the the last bastion of singleness and pretty much all of the groups of friends that I've had mm-hmm. throughout my like college to adult and even high school to mm-hmm. um, like where I am now. And I'm 34. Um, and so I feel like really once the majority of my friends were married and they were like moving on. Mm-hmm. And I would say even like one of the hardest parts is when my younger siblings got married mm-hmm. and they started having kids and they started forming their own units separate mm-hmm. from my family. Mm-hmm. And like just this feeling of like, I'm being left behind and I have yeah. no control over like whether or not this is ever going to happen for me. And I have no control over what my family life will look like because everybody else is moving on. And so I think that was a season I went through in my late 20s. Yeah. Like in your early 20s, there's still enough single people around that you have like hope and you're like, oh, you know, I might bump into somebody or, mm-hmm. but like when you're in the South and you're in your late 20s and you're single, like it's not college anymore. You're not running into single yeah. people every minute of every day. Yeah. Like, and, and I, you know, all of my friends were married with kids mm-hmm. and it's exhausting to keep making new friends. Like to keep like having really good close relationships and they get married and it's not like you can't be friends anymore, but like now you things have to kind change of shift. a little. Yeah. And, and so you're like, well, I still want to be able to do these things with friends. And so you're constantly making new friends, but it gets exhausting. So I think that season of like late twenties um, was just a really difficult time because you see, you learn how much, how little control you have. You see this dream of what you thought your life was going to be like kind of disappearing. I mean, you know, it's not that I've given up on it, but you learn that you have to have a new dream. Like, yeah. and that's something I think that the Lord really gave me early on. Um, he, cause I, I remember like thinking, man, I really want to go on this trip. And then I was like, oh, but nobody can go with me. So I guess I can't go. And then I was like, what? That's stupid. Like, like I can go by myself. So really God kind of gave me this, I don't know, wisdom gift 
early, even early in my 20s that was like, you know, you can't wait around for yeah. somebody to show up for your life to start. Like, yeah. like you can go on the trip. Right. You can go on the trip. You can join that church. Mm-hmm. You can be a leader. You can invest in people. Like you, your life is now. It's happening mm-hmm. now. And if you sit at home and wait for some magical prince to show up and like start your life, yeah. like I'm wasting what he's giving me. And so even in this season of like my hopes and my vision for my future, like really, I guess, being crushed, like that dream dying in a sense, that dream not becoming the ultimate dream, I guess. Yeah. It was definitely the ultimate. I think it might be Keller who says like, you know, you can't make good things the ultimate, ultimate thing. thing. It's and called an idol. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think we're talking about that in church on, yeah. you know, coming up. Yeah, we, yeah, we are. Yeah. Ten Commandments. I okay, know. Ten Commandments. Here we go. Um, but I think yeah, it was learning how to put that aside and mm-hmm. how to just embrace the life that God had given me and not like die and cry over the one that he, that, that I wanted and mm-hmm. that he had not given me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I know that was really long. Sorry. No. Yeah. No, girl. <laughs> Keep going. I would say, first of all, kind of to what Paige's point about looking at, pa- at Kate and being like, oh, Kate doesn't seem like someone who's just like sulking about being single all the time. Like, <laughs> I would hope that like, I think most people who see me from the exterior, you know, or like that I know, like, you know, acquaintances mm-hmm. at church, you know, like, I don't think either of us walk around like, oh, woe are we, oh, you know, yeah. we're just like sitting around at home twiddling yeah. our thumbs waiting on somebody to arrive. <laughs> um, but like, I think a lot of the, let's be real, like yeah. a lot of the journey of like singleness is a very inward journey and like yeah. a, like, there's a lot going on in your head. Um mm-hmm. And you like share it with a certain group of people, but you're not necessarily like going around telling everyone like, I am so sad that I'm single, yeah. even though that is going on in your head a good, a good amount of time. So. Uh, yeah. Well, and I think I have been, I've been at Redeemer long enough, have been in different women's groups and home groups and all of that kind of stuff long enough. There is a difference though. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and it's not just singleness um, and it's not just women, uh, but in all the different life stages, like there can be this seed of like discontentment or bitterness that grows Mm. that I think once it really goes deep is it's pretty hard to pluck out. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm. I think just once again, been at Redeemer eight years, been a woman for a long time, (laughs) you know, uh, all my life, (laughs) all my life been here. Um, You know, I, I do see, some women who are walking in uh, obedience to what the Lord has called them, which is singleness at this point, mm-hmm. some are walking it better than others. Mm-hmm. And there are some who, yeah, I, I don't know if it's sheer sadness or if it's, you know, the season that mm-hmm. is the crushing one or, <laughs> you know, but mm-hmm. like that is there, like a discontentment. and. I don't know. I just kind of wonder, like, what is the thing that you need to believe? Like, what is it that you have to hold on to to be like, God, I really want to get married. God, I really want, you know, a partner. But I'm not going to, like you were saying, Kate, like, I'm not going to let that stop me from living. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to just sit at home and be mad. Like, I can be fruitful in Mm -hmm. ministry. I don't know. Just kind of like, what kind of things do you have to like preach to yourself or what kind of things do you have to hold on to and believe to not get into that bitterness or that discontentment? For me, um, 
I think a lot of you keep saying like, what do you hold on to? I think a lot of it for me has been a, like more of a letting go. Because mm. um, I would say I've always, I've always wanted to get married. I've always wanted to have children. Like that, that hasn't yeah. changed. Um, but I think in my early twenties, or and really, it's always a, it's always a journey. It's not like you're like all of a sudden out of something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I think there was a much tighter hold of it in my mm. early twenties. Because again, there was that presumption that it was going to happen, and preferably, you know, coming out of college. I was going to meet someone around age 25 because mm-hmm. I could be single for a few years, mm-hmm. meet them, and then you'd have a couple of years to like date, be engaged, plan a wedding, and then you could have a couple of years of being married without kids before you yeah. had kids by 30 because you're mm-hmm. going to have kids by 30. Like that mm-hmm. was just the way yeah. it was going to work in my head. And I think that's the way a lot of people think is there's, I think 30 is a big realm, like what Kate was saying. 30 is a, it mm. seems to be a milestone. Yeah. yeah. So I think a lot of, when you were saying late 20s, a lot of my grappling with that was going into 30 and being like what if I'm not married at 30 yeah. and then at 29 you're like well like, like okay. highly unlikely. Not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so just like but I think in all of that it's kind of this was this process of starting to like let go of my tight hold on my specific vision that specific mm-hmm. picture mm-hmm. and starting to realize I think there's a tension always that tension between you want to still hold your hope and you still like I think it's bad to totally let go of that if that's something mm-hmm. that you want um, and, but it's easy to kind of become bitter about it and just yeah. be like, okay, well, I'm just done hoping for that. Yeah. yeah. But I think if that's, for me, that's something I desire. And so I have to like kind of like always keep that hope mm-hmm. alive. But at the same time, like I think the big thing that God's done in me over the past like 10 years is just like letting go of that grip. You know, mm-hmm. like, yes, it's something I want, but also saying like, okay, God, your will be done in my life. And I think yeah. what's helped with that is being single for so long, like, I kind of had this vision of like what I wanted, which was like a marriage and kids, but wrapped up in that there were elements of things that I like that have been very true of my life. Like a lot of like what's wrapped up in a desire for marriage is a desire for companionship mm-hmm. and relationship and people, someone who knows you and who's there for you um, that you can talk to about your day. Um, mm-hmm. And I think God has given me so much of what I desire. It just looks different than I thought it yeah. would. Like mm-hmm. very different. Like 25-year-old Madeline would be like, what? But like 35-year-old <laughs> Madeline is like, this is really sweet. Like yeah. Yeah. I've been given a home that I love. I've been given really sweet relationships. Like people know me and I have a lot of really wonderful conversations like from day to day. Um, and I feel like my life is very relationally rich. I just don't have a significant other. Yeah. And I think just seeing the way God provides for your desires, even if it doesn't look like the way that you thought it would, mm-hmm. like helps me let go of that. Cause it's like, not like, oh, because I'm not married and have kids doesn't mean that I have like none of my hopes and dreams. Right. Mm-hmm. It just looks different than I thought it was. So I think it's that shifting of like coming to trust that God's going to fulfill desires. And, you know, like he, he's listening and he's giving you good gifts and you just start to let go of your specific vision for that and be like, and, and, mm-hmm. and I think also if you're so wrapped up in like, a specific thing that's going to happen to your life, then you're missing what's right in front of you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so if I'm sitting here thinking all day long, you know, waiting for my prince to come or whatnot, or, or, or even like, like in reality, that looks like whoever is on the radar at the moment and like the daydreams and, you know, like thinking about, who, you know, who could, what could happen with this person. And there's just a lot that goes on in your head. And if that's where all, my head is all the time, then I'm not thinking about the beautiful gifts of this good conversation I had with a friend at lunch totally. or the beautiful mm. sunshine of the day or just I'm a big like reflect and like rejoice in the small things person mm-hmm. and so I think if letting a little bit like making that picture a little looser in my head mm-hmm. um just helps me allow like allows me to see what God 
is doing because he is at work. It's not like he's not at work if yeah. I'm not getting what I want. You know? yeah. It's not, <laughs> not like, oh, well, you're not married. So like you're in a holding pattern mm-hmm. until I can use you. Like that is very obviously not true. Like mm-hmm. looking at both of you, like because both of you, home group leaders, deacon, mm-hmm. um, just very involved. And so I'm, I'm kind of now wondering like what has that been like for you regarding the church? So, like, obviously, you've pursued pursued careers. You've bought a home. Like, mm-hmm. you've, I mean, there are plenty of things, and I want to get back to that, too, because I think there's also <laughs> this belief that it's like, well, should I buy a house? What if I get married? And it, so we'll talk about that later. Let's bookmark <laughs> that. Bookmark that. But I do want to talk about the church. Um, and obviously, like, before we were getting on here, we're talking about the sheer volume of single women who are at our church. Mm-hmm. Um you guys are actually kind of the majority. Um, (laughs) And I, oh, it would just be so terrible for single women to be sitting there thinking like, well, I can't be used until I'm married. Mm -hmm. Because that's, okay, one, just like bottom line, like that's not true, but Mm -hmm. like theologically not true. But then two, I'm like, hey, there are a whole lot of y'all. And if you're all sitting on the sidelines, (laughs) That means there's a whole lot of stuff not getting done and we need your help. The um, church administrator in you is Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I've seen the numbers and we need some volunteers. Um, so what has that looked like for you guys? Like, did you have to amp yourself up to like raise your hand for leadership or like how, how did that come about in you guys' life? Well, I feel like I, I have never, ever been afraid to like, make my seat at the table mm-hmm. in most in most like situations I applaud your parents for this <laughs> I I don't think that's true of most women I yeah. don't think that's true of most women I applaud I your parents or whoever it was who <laughs> made you comfortable to do that because I think that's wonderful I'm trying to do the same with my own if anything she might need she might need to be like tampered down a little yeah. bit she thinks she has all the seats but I, I think some of some people who know me might feel the same way. <laughs> Maybe maybe you can mentor my daughter. <laughs> there we go. Um, uh, so I, I I say that, and and I say the church has almost been an exception in that, mm. um, and not because of anything like super negative that the church has done, but I just feel like Big C Church has a very specific role that women play, yeah. and it's married women. Unless there's like this, there's a small niche that's like carved out for like backup singers and <laughs> and like children's workers, yeah, like for single women, and then yeah. that's kind of it. Or maybe like the token like women, single women's like leader that Ministry, like three in like yeah. a big if your church is big enough, you yeah. know, like that's sort of kind of the feeling of like what I've seen, and and I just really never really knew like how I would fit in that if I wasn't married mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that like you know pre my 30s I wasn't involved in the church I was always heavily involved in like greeting or you know anything that they needed but it was definitely a wrestling through of like you know even you know, okay home group leader well I've got to be married if I'm going to be a home group leader. Like, that's just sort of the assumption that I had because all I saw was yeah. married home group leaders. The and then vast Melissa, majority. Yeah. It was like, you know, on the pedestal. And like, <laughs> I'm never going to be that good. Like, <laughs> like, 
Like she she made it in, but like I'm not making the cut. And so I think just not seeing it was made it harder for me to like feel like okay, I'm happy to make my place at the table, but like is there even a Anything, is there even a spot? Right. Is yeah. there a spot? Or am I, is it going to be like, I'm sorry, but, you know, the Bible says that this is the role for women and you're not allowed. Yeah. And so I think it was a few years ago, actually, at Madeline's family's lake home that um, it was Melissa and. Was this like the group of single women? Yes. Kind of, yeah, kind of like an informal retreat. An unofficial informal retreat. Yes. Unofficial. <laughs> yes. Yes, um, she, oh, Kristen Slaughterbeck, that's who it was. Melissa and Kristen talked about, you know, hey, we are wanting to, they, I think they talked to Matt and you, and they were like, hey, we want to engage you guys. Like, we want you involved in the church and in leadership and in home group leadership. And, in, like, they listed all these ways, and it was like, You're oh, <laughs> okay. And so, like, I don't know, within six months or something, I reached out to you and Matt and was like, hey. I would love to do this. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like this is a great way for me to get plugged in relationally with people and to use the opportunities and gifts that I have as a single person. I don't have children. I don't have a spouse. Like, I have more flexibility. I have more you availability. Have in some. I have a house. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I have all of these things that I can use in this way. And so it was really exciting that Redeemer, like, had that door open. But I almost didn't really even realize it Mm -hmm. until it was specifically, like, you can do this. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay. And I think you're touching on something, too, where, like, I feel like it it not only was, like, an exposure of, hey, like, this is something we welcome single (laughs) women or men into, but it was also, like, a, oh, this fits my gifts and my desires. Yeah. Um, because like you were saying, I think it's it's very stereotypical and obviously we need tons of volunteers down in kids ministry or whatever. Um but those all those volunteers don't have to be women. Like right. we need some <laughs> men down here as well. And I would love for some some solid single men to be in my son's class, my mm-hmm. daughter's class, right? Um, but I think just historically in like not necessarily redeemer but like big church like you see a lot of women serving in the children's ministry or like very specific in women's ministry mm-hmm. and then that's about it and so i know like someone like both of you like you have gifts of like teaching and um hospitality and you know just some of these different gifts that while well, obviously could be used down here where we're sitting right now <laughs> But also could be used elsewhere. And so I think knowing that there's a place for those desires to meet, like, um, like yeah, availability is, is huge. Um, Madeline, what does it look like for you? I mean, you've been here 11 years. Yeah, so or 10. But 10. Yeah. Well, I'm starting, I guess I'm starting into my 11th year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I feel like kind of my experience is more like in true, like, old school reading or fashion of things just kind of happening organically. Mm-hmm. Um. And I would say, well, first of all, kind of like, I think I'm really grateful for Redeemer specifically because I feel like I've always had a place. Like mm-hmm. when I just think about like, again, big C, like a lot of what you see church structure as you see like a, you know, a young professionals group, which really means like young single people mm-hmm. generally. Um, and and then you have like your young married groups and then you have like your groups of people with small children um, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And so like if that were the structure that I were in. 
I would have nowhere to go. I'm yeah. not 25. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm not in my 30s and married with kids. Like, yes. I fit in neither. But I've always had a place at Redeemer just based on our home group structure of mm-hmm. putting married people with single people in one group. And that's on a lot of layers been encouraging, but even just in feeling like I've always had a, a space and not like mm-hmm. I'm the, the weird one, you know, yeah. like it's like, <laughs> like you're the add on. Yeah. 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 Well, I, it's funny that you say that because Josh and I went to a church, um, right after we got married before we were living in Birmingham and they had formed, it's funny because the very first time we went to this church, it was done by like, uh, age stage demographic, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, we went to the young marrieds Sunday school class because we were young and we were married. <laughs> but the young marrieds class was really like the we got married 10, 15 years ago and we never wanted to leave each other. And so like they're still together. And we walked in and literally a guy told me he was like, oh, like, when did you graduate from Auburn? I went to Auburn and I told him, which it had been like literally the year before. Um, and he was like, oh, my gosh, I was graduating when you were born. And it was like, oh, I feel so welcome. I feel so (laughs) welcome. But we ended up attending this class that was, was like young marrieds. But at one point, we were the only ones who did not have children. And Mm. then there were like two other single people who basically were like in their 30s and didn't fit in like the young singles anymore. So they just threw them in with us. So it was literally like (laughs) me, Josh, and like a single girl and a single guy. And we're like, so I've. I say that to say, like, I've felt that. And, and we were so thankful when we came to Redeemer and had mm-hmm. some, like, diversity because we we're like, okay, we're not going to get caught in a group where on one Sunday four people announce that they're pregnant and now we're, like, the lone rangers out here, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think it can be, like, really ostracizing yeah from time to time but as far as like tapping into like leadership positions I would say like for me it wasn't like one day I signed up for it it was like I started getting involved in looking for and like just kind of organically it happened where I saw needs and stuff and realized like oh I can help with that like in the home group I was in for a while um the leaders had small kids and just a lot going on and I could tell the wife of the couple who kind of I feel like in a lot of him groups, not everyone, but the ones I've been in, usually the wife does more of like the admin, like the emails and the mm-hmm. meal planning and this sort of thing. And I could just tell she had a lot going on. And so I would, I just was like offered, offered I'm like, is there stuff, something I can help you do? Like, I like sending emails. Like, can I send the emails? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I like planning meals. Can I help with that? Yeah. And I just kind of just saw a need and stepped into that. And things also that I feel gifted in, I'm like personally not my gifting is not and calling is not with kids like I appreciate like there's a lot of women who are and that's awesome but for me that's not a passion point of mine but I I love administrative things and I love anything involving food um and ways to gather people mm-hmm. and so just like seeing a need for that starting to help with that and then eventually we had some assistant leaders in our group and they left town and so our home group leaders were like oh well we should just make, make Madeline our our third leader mm-hmm. and it was kind of just like to to her, her, it just felt like that was like the natural progression yeah. of things. Um, and so, and the, the, the process is a bit more formal now, but I think there's a lot of that. And other, what I've seen in a lot of other single women who have stepped into leadership within home groups, it's kind of like, they just kind of started stepping up yeah. and then mm-hmm. let's like, let, and then kind of the leadership was like, let's recognize what they're doing and just formally call them into that role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for, like, I'm a deacon of prayer, which sounds so formal, um, but <laughs> The way that position You're came about really was good at I started, there was um, a group that was meeting on weekday mornings to pray for a while that I knew some people involved in. And 
those in- people who were leading it ended up becoming prayer deacons when deacons became a thing. Mm-hmm. And then one of them stepped out and I was one of the more regular people who came. And I mean, probably more thought went into it than that. But I had, like, it was something I was involved in. And I was there. And so they were like, okay, who else are we going to call up into this? And I would say even as – I think we see that a lot in our deacon structure. It's like we have things over different, non, you know, like partnerships with like the Interfaith Hospitality House and Avondale Elementary. And there's a lot of service areas both like internally and externally in the church. And I feel like those leaders are always looking at who within the, their kind of pool of like volunteers or people who are involved is kind of stepping up. Like who can we groom up yeah. to be a part of this? So I think a lot of it is just kind of being ready and willing to just to step in where there's need mm-hmm. to help out. And then that a lot of times turns into a leadership position. Totally. Totally. Um, it's, it's just amazing what like showing up, like literally just show up and yeah, be willing to help. And it's like, like you're, you're going to get recognized for that kind of stuff. But then also like Kate, I love that you weren't afraid to like raise your hand. Like you sent us an email and you're like, I really like feel like I would enjoy this and it's using, you know some of my gifts and like I would love to mm-hmm. go through training and mm-hmm. so you know I think it's kind of both like not being afraid to raise your hand which can be really intimidating Lauren Starnes and I talked about that with the music ministry it's like mm-hmm. there's this like taboo thing of like can I say that I want to do this or do I need to just like <laughs> keep doing it and like hope someone is paying attention and recognizes me and I feel like sometimes it's both mm-hmm. you know um I would say one more thing on kind of like involvement in, in, in the church and being in leadership positions too. I think a lot of, for me, something that's really encouraging in being single is just having a sense of purpose. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, why am I single? I don't know. But mm-hmm. the more there's little things where there's like roles I can fill and ways mm-hmm. I can serve and like things where I'm like, oh, like my life has purpose because God's called me in to do this and be a part of this and speak mm-hmm. into this person's life. Mm-hmm. And like the more I see the ways that, I mean, God is using you regardless, but sometimes like I feel like when I have I have time, I have availability, I have things to offer. And when I get to use those things, I'm like, okay, like, cuts up. It's a good just a reminder that, like, God is doing something and he's yeah. called me into this right now. Well, and, you know, we started this conversation with both of you saying, like, you don't really remember there being a lot of single women who were, like, active in leadership or really visible around your churches growing up. And I'm like, oh, well, like, the Parkers' children are seeing Madeline Markham mm-hmm. lead on a Wednesday Mm -hmm. and like the Scotch children are seeing Kate Fluker lead on a Wednesday. And so y'all are stepping into these roles that Mm -hmm. you yourselves didn't really see. Mm -hmm. And so like how much better are we as a church and like my kids, you know, like having the single women in my home group come and be active and faithful um, and serve. And like my kids get to see that so that should they turn 30, and the world crash upon them you know they're like oh yeah well like i've seen this before like there are women who do this there are men who do this you know um Mm -hmm. i think once again exposure so often is like name of the game Mm -hmm. um all right i want to get into some like kind of like nitty gritties um (laughs) uh, we'll call them faux pas Mm -hmm. faux pas um what kind of comments or thoughts or beliefs have you either heard regarding singleness or maybe even you yourself have like said or believed in the past um that were like hurtful or damaging or maybe on the on the upswing like what are some things that you've heard like how have you felt uplifted um as a single woman well i um i i've definitely 
said and believed this, um, but it has recently in the last few years become something that like I am fighting to like remove from my vocabulary and like everyone's around me. <laughs> and that is when you see a single person and somebody's like, oh, that's why they're single. Like no wonder they're single. No wonder they're single. I found the reason. Yeah. And and like it really bothers me for two reasons. One, the implication is that like everybody who's single, there's a there's a reason for it. Like there mm-hmm. there's some flaw that has mm-hmm. happened in their life, whether you know by the misfortune of their birth or by choice, <laughs> that has like made them be single. Yeah. Not that there aren't quite a few annoying single people. I mean, but like, it's their messy room. It's their messy room. No wonder. Exactly. You know, oh, yeah. Well, you know, he's always doing that. No wonder he's single. You know, just that mindset of like, one, if you're single, there's a reason for it. And two, the assumption that if you're married, it's because you somehow achieved, you got like to the level in the game of like perfection or you you got rid of all of those things that would have made you single forever and now you've attained like the marriage you know yeah, the marriage level. the marriage level like yeah you, you know, know a blue you got star. that badge yeah <laughs> you know and it's just like i have to fight that because i am constantly fighting the battle in my head of looking for the why mm. for why i'm single what is my flaw what is the thing that is so bad about me that has like made me be single and and like you brought up it's not like i wallow in this all the time it's not like i sit around and just like bemoan the fact that i'm (laughs) single and i'm not married and not at all but like there's always like like madeline said it is a journey like i've Mm -hmm. never reached the destination of just being like i am so content for where i am (laughs) Mm yeah and so in my brain there's always this voice of like just niggling and just trying to figure out like well what's the flaw that has me still single Mm -hmm. and if i can if i can figure that out and fix it mm-hmm. and fix myself, then then it will happen for yeah. me. And that's just not true. Like, yeah. that's not biblical at all. It's called a workspace theology. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, if <laughs> exactly. all of a sudden you're good enough, then you'll get the good thing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Santa Claus, except yeah. for dating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and so I think that's something that I really, because I know my married friends who say that, they do not mean those yeah. things. They don't think through the implications of saying that. And when I think it in my head, I don't always think through the implications, but just really trying to like drive out the the thought of like, well, you know, and I even people say say things like, how are you still single? You are just so nice or so whatever or so. And it's just like. If I, I mean, knew. Like, right. Like, like, yeah. like, like they have they can't find the reason yeah. that I'm single. And yeah. so therefore there's like something wrong in the universe. And it's just yeah. like. So anyway, just that mindset. I'm trying to like purge it from yeah. from the world. That's, like That's probably a good thing to purge. Well, I mean, <laughs> but I felt you know, it's it's funny because it it took uh, Josh and I like a year and a half to get pregnant with John, and so like things did not go as speedily as what <laughs> we had expected yeah. and hoped for. And I remember having thoughts similar of just kind of like. Well, maybe there's a lesson I'm supposed to learn before mm-hmm. I get the thing. Or maybe mm-hmm. like God is testing me. And if I pass this test, then he gets the thing. And I remember having to call out myself. I'm like, no, that's workspace theology mm-hmm. that like I can earn the good thing with my good behavior or like my lessons learned. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it 
it's tricky because it creeps in for sure Mm -hmm. for sure and like very base level like you know what if a guy showed up 30 minutes late to pick you up from a date hadn't showered and took you to mcdonald's i'm like well there might be a reason (laughs) while you're why you're still so bottom base level it's like well you know your behavior and kindness and character but once again like yeah no mm-hmm. if you're like walking with the lord like mm-hmm. what, that's yeah that's yeah. just total falsehood yeah i think the the things kate was saying definitely like resonate with and i think there's a lot of things that like i wouldn't necessarily go around saying out out loud mm-hmm. but they're in my head mm-hmm. and like like kind of the things that kate are saying like the things i'm always having to fight are that something is wrong with me you know mm-hmm. everyone else got chosen by somebody mm-hmm. Or at least somebody quality, you know. Yeah. Um. And and I didn't yeah. like what? Why is mm. that? Like what? What is wrong with me? Yeah. And that's totally not. There's. I mean, like, God doesn't work in me. And like, and also just like the on, on the flip side of that too, like, like the grace thing too, like of like the kind of feeling that you can earn it. Like I think there's this feeling that it's like, yeah, somebody. It's like if you like get in tune with God enough, mm-hmm. then He will grant you favor Maybe and give you marriage. Enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you, yeah. Yes. Like you become. Yeah. yeah maybe and maybe it's like the and i think when you're processing like life isn't going to plan god maybe god's trying to teach me something if i can just learn the thing mm-hmm. you know yeah and then and like seek him in the right way you know yeah. like he can work that out of me and then i'll be ready it's jumping through the right hoops yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. but which is oh, really yeah. coming back to it like it's workspace and i think for me i've like just had to come back and like preach to myself over and over again that like if you're given a spouse that is a, a grace that is a gift mm-hmm. and you don't earn that like Mm -hmm. which sounds basic but i feel like i have to like remind myself it's like Mm -hmm. it's not something you earn or something you do the right thing obviously it's good to be in a healthy place like i think sometimes you know i think you hear a lot of those phrases like you know you got to work on yourself first Mm -hmm. you know but i feel like i've been a healthy person for a while or or um, (laughs) like look like i've been to the doctor got my counseling card like i'm good yeah and i think even like um Oh, when you quit trying, when you quit oh, yes. trying, yes. that's when know. that's when mm-hmm. he'll come. Mm-hmm. And so many people say like that's yes. their story. Like they weren't looking, and then this thing just like fell in their lap. Yeah. You know, this guy yeah. just approached them or whatever happened. And that's a lot of that is a lot of people's story that it wasn't like mm-hmm. the person that they tracked down. It was yeah. someone who just arrived. Which again, it's a gift. Yeah. Um, which so like that is some people's story, but it is like it's not like okay, well, it's the not day like that a I universal truth. Yeah. Right. yeah. And yeah, like, how do yes. you turn that off? Like, it's because you want to still desire it. Like, yeah. so. Yeah. Um, but I think the kind of the, the weirder things are um, aren't things that come from people I know well. It's more like random people in the world that you interact with. And they do the like, you know, they're trying to get to know you. And they're like, so, you know, are you married? And you're like, no. Do you have kids? No. And then there's like that moment of like, so what do I say? You know? <laughs> um, what do you do or with even your like life? Kind of the, so the really well-meaning like women, maybe like one of your parents' friends mm-hmm. or, you know, your friends or friends parents or someone a little bit older than you who i think the thing they say a lot is oh i just know you're gonna find somebody mm-hmm. which comes from a good place yeah um but i want to be like so how do you know that like yeah. are you god like <laughs> um so i think like and also kind of because like, what they mean is like i hope that for you like, yeah. like you can hope that for me mm-hmm. you can pray that for me yeah um and you can like say like i think that you have a lot to offer that would be great in a relationship but i think that's like the idea behind it but the way it comes out you're always like mm, yeah. like like you don't really know that you know yeah. so i think there's a lot of things that people say especially if they don't know a lot of single people that just mm-hmm. like comes out and like not like you confront it afterward but afterward you're like mm, yeah could have said that 
a little differently. Well, Mm -hmm. but y'all, like, this is so helpful because, (laughs) you know, even like what you were saying, like, some of this isn't spoken out loud. This is like what you guys are thinking. And so, like, as someone who is not single, like, knowing that and like, so with that knowledge, like, how can we as a church, um, as brothers and sisters, care for you and love you better? in your singleness like are there ways that people of other ages stages whatever have included you or you know encouraged you in this season I would say I mean you you said it included you like to be invited in is such a gift Mm. and you know my family does not live in Birmingham and so, and, and I think there's like this, this wrong assumption by married people that single people don't want to be involved in their messiness mm-hmm. and they don't want to, they don't want to come over and have to deal with the kids. Like if, so. I've totally assumed that. So. I've totally assumed that. <laughs> and that's not true. I mean, I want to be wanted, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't have that built in with a spouse. And I know, and I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit later too. Like I know that. There is no perfect, like, oh, I'm in marriage, and so now I always feel wanted all the time. Like, right. But I want to feel sought out. I want to feel like there are people who want me in their life. Mm-hmm. And, like, it doesn't take a lot. I mean, like, having, you know, having the Scots be like, hey, you want to come over for dinner before home group on mm-hmm. Wednesday? It's like, oh, they thought about me. They want me as part of their life, mm-hmm. even though, you know, I don't. I don't bring anything to the table in the sense of like, I'm not bringing my kid over so they, the kids can have a play date yeah. or I'm not coming over and we're commiserating about mom's stuff. Yeah. Like they see something in me that they want to have in their life. And like, that is so valuable to me personally, just to feel wanted and to feel seen. And, and it doesn't have to be anything big. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, join us for life. Like, yeah, be part of this. Yeah. Because like I said earlier, like in a, in a real sense, like I have such a longing to be part of a family. Yeah. And so for you to see something in me that you want as part of your family, like that is so validating for me just to know that like you want me to be a part of your life and your kids' life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ditto. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm because I'm thinking like there have literally been times where I'm like, Oh, I'd love for fill in the blank single male or female to come over for dinner. But I'm like, this is pure chaos. <laughs> Legitimately, we had a couple over for they're an engaged couple. We had them over for dinner on Wednesday night, and they saw both of my children naked. <laughs> and like it, not because Josh and I took their clothes off. Like it, it happened so fast, and I'm like. Oh, you're going to see some stuff if you come in to the, you know, and yeah. so I, I feel this like, are you sure? <laughs> like, are you sure? Because this is some chaotic time at the Beerman house with like rice being slung and mm-hmm. diapers being pulled off. And what I'm hearing you say is like, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd love to be there. Absolutely. Maybe I can keep my children clothed. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not a requirement. Yeah. <laughs> and on top of the whole part where, you're, you know, like, I, I just enjoy being a part. Like, and again, yeah. like it is, I think I have a friend who, like, I have friends who have said, like, oh, like, 
I'm sorry around my kids when they're like this. Like, I hope that hasn't made you not want to have children. And I'm like, no, like this, I've learned by now. Like yeah. kids are it's, it's just chaotic. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, I'm not expecting you to like to walk in and your kids be like perfectly well-dressed and well-mannered. Like I'm expecting them to be children. To be a little chaotic. You know, and especially yeah. at this point too, I think you have a different perspective at 35 than like 25 because you've been around families and kids. Like well, and you have your friends. friends. All your friends yeah. have kids. Yeah. It's like, even though you haven't experienced a lot of things yourself, like you've walked through, you know, like the trying to get pregnant and the pregnancy and the breastfeeding mm-hmm. and the birth and the like, you mm. know, like all these life things. It's like, you've seen it. You've, you've seen a lot of things and yeah. you've heard about a lot of things um, and you're in it, you know, yeah, and like you want to be naive in it. to the fact that it's going to be yeah. bonkers. And it's more hurtful almost for someone to be like, oh, well, you're single. You don't, you don't understand and or yeah. you don't you don't you wouldn't care about this because yeah. you're not a part of this and I'm like no like I'm not experiencing this but I want to like be there with you yeah through it so but I think there's like I think that's like the biggest thing I think about as far as like Just the church including. Yeah, yeah including and I think also like finding ways and I, something I've been really encouraged about within like friends who are single is just like celebrating other people well mm-hmm. um because to a certain degree when you're single you miss some of those like you're kind of like well I never got the ba- the the showers, you know, and yeah. I know there's, a, there's a certain form of celebrating that happens when you go through the marriage process. Not that's the only mm-hmm. thing to celebrate in life, but I have some friends who've like celebrated me really well, like when I've had birthdays doing really thoughtful things. And that has been yeah. like so mm-hmm. encouraging. Yeah. And not that I like necessarily care, like I need you to celebrate me like it's about my birthday, but it's but made still, me feel like yeah. known and loved in a way where like someone is like caring specifically for me. Yeah. Um, and even like I know, like I've just made a point, like, and I think that applies not just to single people. Obviously, yeah, that's, that's good for anybody. To, everybody, like, like you got a, a job cake. promotion. Yeah, put their, like like even little say. things, like putting their name on a birthday cake, you yeah. know, that just yeah. make them feel um, celebrated. I think for me, like, yeah, just like so, and even finding like I have a friend whose home group. She just moved into a house, and her home group is throwing her like a housewarming party, and there's Ooh, a registry yeah. on there for her like house things. So um, awesome. And I was like, I was so encouraged just knowing yeah. that was happening and seeing how her home group was caring for her. Yeah. And that, and celebrating her, you yeah. know, like yeah. she bought a house. Not necessarily it's about like, oh, you know, you paid money for this house. But like she is, a you know, has yeah. this space now and we want to like fill it and celebrate that. Um, so I think, you know, obviously your milestones look a little different, but I think just celebrating people well mm-hmm. yeah. goes a long way too. I said I bookmarked it. You reminded me about the house thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about that because I feel like there is kind of this like maybe it's a faux pas or like this tension of like, um, can I buy a house? I'm single. Should I? Or like financial decisions or maybe I don't know, maybe even like trips or I don't know. It feels like making long term decisions if you are single, probably especially a single woman. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that once again, never been a man, but it seems that way. Um, It seems like it's almost like taboo or like, I don't know, like unnecessarily mental. Like you got to think through like, is this wise? Because what if I find someone and we get married and he doesn't want to live in my house and I have to sell the house? Like, were these things that you guys thought through? You're both homeowners. You both have taken trips. You, I'm assuming, have like retirement accounts or whatever the thing is. Like. How how have you thought through these things in light of holding on to, like, sure, if I meet a man and he doesn't want to live here, then we can sell a house? Or also, like, no, like, I'm walking this right now, and this seems like a good investment, so I'll do it. Like, how does mm-hmm. 
how have y'all navigated that? And like, did you feel tension? Am I making that up? Like, was it like kind of weird? Um, for me, I think I definitely, I was, I was pretty young when I mm-hmm. bought my house. I've owned my house for eight years now. So I was okay. like 25, 26 when okay. I bought my house. Um, and there was definitely the like, well, what if I get married? And like, then, the, you know, mm-hmm. all those questions that you brought up. But I like have a vivid picture. I was walking in my neighborhood because I was I was renting there before I bought. I was walking in my neighborhood with a married friend. And like I can remember where we were actually in front of Fran's house. Nice. <laughs> walking uh, pre pre it being Fran's house. Um, walking. And I was just like. I just thought I was going to do this with somebody. Mm-hmm. It's just such a huge decision to make by yourself. Yeah, it's stressful doing it with somebody. Right. So and I like, can imagine, yeah. Like, I got that, like, okay, if you have somebody that adds another element of tension, because mm-hmm. then you're dealing with their wants and their questions mm-hmm. and their, but then there's also, like, you have some validation if there's somebody, like, in it with you. Like, yeah. we're going to do this together and this is, we're going to make well, this. Well, it's big also just practically together. a lot of forms and stuff. Yeah. And I, yeah it's, <laughs> and it's a lot. Yes. And money. Yeah. And money. So, so for me, I think that was the biggest thing. It wasn't even necessarily like, what if I find somebody and we mm-hmm. decide not to live here? It was just like, wow, I'm making a lot of really big life decisions by myself that I thought I was going to make with a partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was not in the picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was, yeah. For me, like I bought when I was 31. And so I think there was just always this presumption of like, you know, the way the story goes, you know, you get, you get married and you have kids on this timeline. Also, you don't, you, the house buying comes after the finding of the husband. Like mm-hmm. that's that was the order in my head. And and obviously like I didn't want to and then when I got closer to actually making that decision, it was kind of like, well, what if I buy and then my life changes? And obviously I'd rather get married than buy house. And so um yeah, so what if my life changes and then I sell two years later and that's not a good investment, you know, because mm-hmm. I didn't hold on to it for long enough and I thought through all the things. Um but I think a bigger part of that was this process of like, I don't think there was ever any time where I like necessarily held back from like, I'm going to go on a trip or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. But there is a little bit of this, like all the things that you assumed you're going to do with someone. And then you mm-hmm. get to be 28, 30, 31. And you're like, I don't want to wait anymore. You know, I don't like I had a great experience renting with roommates and doing that thing for like a lot of years. And like I and then it kind of going back to that, like the ideas that are tied in with marriage, like part of that was having a home of my own where you get to like decorate it and like it's your mm-hmm. space and you get to invite people into it like that's a lot of like the dream that I had for life and and there being this moment where I was like oh I don't have to wait like I can just I can do that get a house and decorate <laughs> it and invite people they, in yes. yeah they still and no one else the single people <laughs> yeah they do um and and realizing like that I don't have to wait on that dream like yeah I can you know there's certain things like you can't make a husband happen but you can buy a house you know yeah. like if, if you're in a good place in a um, if you're if you're ready for that, like and all the other factors yeah. that go into like when you're ready to buy a house. But I think for me it was, and I remember actually like it took like a friend prodding, like or I had a roommate at the time, and I kind of had in the back of my mind, but like it has always been this like you wait for it thing. And one day she was like, um, we were talking about like our next move because our lease was about to be up, and she was like, Madeline, I think you're ready to buy a house. And I was like, maybe I am. Like so, it kind <laughs> of like her, it took her saying that out loud yeah. to kind of like, and then I was like, actually, I think that I am. But for me, it's been a really sweet thing of like kind of fulfilling some of those dreams and even like little things like in my late 20s, I started asking for things like ni- like nice knives and like serving bowls like that. Like you're waiting for the registry kind of yeah. stuff. I'm uh-huh. like, 
no, I don't have to wait on that. Like I started yeah. asking for those things for Christmas and now I have, I have a nice serving bowl, you know, yeah. like, cause there was like this <laughs> feeling of like, well, you get that when you're married. And then after a while you're like, I mean, you don't have to be like, married. Why do I have yeah. to serve my salad in like a nasty bowl? <laughs> I don't want single. a nice yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds like, like silly, but for me, like no, having, in the ma- having, having well, matching like, dishes, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, a, a nice set of dishes and a nice set of mm-hmm. silverware, not just like, like the nice coffee maker. Yeah, roommate yeah. leftover deal. Yeah, <laughs> was like yeah. a very like I was like it was a very like joyful time. When I think you're right, like it sounds a little silly, and I almost hesitated to even ask, but like I do think that that factors in to like so many people. It's like, can I do these things? And it's like, yep, you sure mm-hmm. can. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's kind of a specific joy into doing it this way too and that like selfishly you know you mm-hmm. watching friends do it with with a spouse it's a different you have two people and mm-hmm. two sets of opinions oh and, and like, my husband's like why are there so many pillows do we actually need <laughs> yeah. like draperies i'm like yes <laughs> yes we do but like in a single girl house you make all the decisions yeah. oh, and yeah. it's like kind of a sweet thing you're like hey, i didn't this isn't I feel like the bigger theme is like this isn't the life I envisioned myself, but it's a really sweet life. Yeah, you know, I think that's really like if I had life. to sum up a lot of things, mm-hmm. like that's my house. Like this isn't the house that I thought I, I thought I would be in a house, a bigger house with yeah. a husband and children and it would look a certain way. But I like have a cute little house um, that I love and it's mm-hmm. been a really sweet gift. So it's like it's been a really good path. It's just not the path that I thought I was going like, to be. That is yeah. the thesis of this conversation. Yes. It's like it's not what I thought, but. It's really good. Yeah. Like, God mm-hmm. is good. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, like, that reminds me of something that I really wanted to to say. And, you know, you talk about, I think one of the things that you had wanted to talk about was, you know, just how it sh- has shifted from when we were young yeah. 20s until um, now, mid-30s. And I would say that, like, marriage was really shiny and pretty and new in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. Like all my friends were like in that stage of just they were just so in love and they were getting married and it was going to be great and marriage mm-hmm. was like this panacea. Like I knew in the back of my mind that like it was two sinful people getting, you know, but mm-hmm. but like there was so much love and joy and emotion and and it just felt like oh my gosh, like this is the answer. This is the thing I've been looking for mm-hmm. all my life and waiting for. And then life happens and you watch your friends who are in good marriages, great marriages, go through infertility. You watch them fight over where they're going to move, over like, you know, how they're going to raise their kids. You have them like, I mean, you see the hard sides. You see the wonderful sides. I mean, I still want marriage and children and family. Uh, But you see that like you – the joy and the beautiful things, the little things that I have now that I love, the big things I have now that I love, like every season has the good and the bad. Every season has those things that are tough. And when you're 23 and all your friends are getting married, you don't see the hard side of that season. And at 34, I've seen that from Mm -hmm. the outside. Um, I've seen, you know, just the, the tough mom life. Like, I have not lived it, but I take my nieces and nephews for a weekend, and I'm like, you can have them back. Like, I do not know how you, like, do this every day for your life. Like, (laughs) I love them. I want them to be with me. But then I'm very happy to give them back because Mm -hmm. I'm just exhausted. Yeah. And so I think that helps. Yeah. Because it helps you realize that, like, this world is not our home. 
Mm-hmm. Like there is something better. There is a longing in our hearts and it's not going to be fulfilled by getting married. And it mm-hmm. is not going to be fulfilled by having children or grandchildren mm-hmm. or whatever you imagine your life to be. Like spouses leave you. Spouses hurt you. Spouses, you know, don't do the toothpaste tube the way that you <laughs> expect them to. I mean, it's it just is. It's comforting in a weird way. Yep. No. <laughs> just to be you like have perspective. There's perspective. Yes. There's of so life much lived. perspective. Yeah. Like I long for the companionship and the family that can come with marriage, but I also some most days I've reached a place where I'm like, you know, Lord, if you don't have that for me, like I'm okay with that. Mm. It's hard, and I have mourned it, but. I see the beauty in what you have given me and I see just the things that I'm able to do with my life and with my time and with my freedom that my friends who are married and my friends who have kids, they just maybe don't have those opportunities mm-hmm. and don't have those those abilities or those avenues open to them yeah. in the seasons that they're in. Yeah. And so, yeah, the perspective helps like soothe that like, that hurt of it not happening the way that you expected when you think, you know, like I had a friend who had kids and like, we were having like one of these heart to hearts and she was like, yeah, like a couple like months in, I was like, I cannot believe that like I waited all my life for this. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, she loves her kids, but it was just like so hard. Yeah. And she was really facing the reality of like, it is beautiful and wonderful, but it is not easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, it's not like I was glad that my friends are having hard times. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the reality helps you, like, think, oh, it sheds light on the beauty in your own season when you see yeah. the difficulties of other seasons. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. And it doesn't negate the fact that the season that you're in has its own hardships. Yeah. Like, they yeah. all do. It just looks different. It just yeah. looks different. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I think building on what Kate said, it kind of brought up something else. I feel like as far as kind of that, like, you know, where you are in the journey, because I think there is, like I was alluding to earlier, just like the letting go of the dream that you thought mm-hmm. would happen. And I think where I'm at now, like this past season has been a little bit of kind of the letting go of like, that I could ever get married. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously still something I hope for something that mm-hmm. it's, it's the hope is still there. But I think there is, again, just a little bit more of like opening my hands and saying, God, this, you know, and realizing this might not ever happen Mm -hmm. and especially like the like I might not have children like Mm -hmm. just grappling with which is true could be true of anybody you know at any age that that Mm -hmm. could be their story but like just being the age that I am it it starts to feel a little more real that that could be my story Mm -hmm. and I think that used to be really scary and sad and now I can see that that could be really that it could be a beautiful story you know Mm -hmm. because I think that yeah again Mm -hmm. that's still and even saying out loud I'm like it feels very like vulnerable to say but like (laughs) yeah like it it was this like scary thing that like if that happens to me that would be terrifying you know it's one Mm -hmm. thing to like not get married when you're 25 you know maybe you get married when you're 34 or like even like 30 you know I could get married when I was 37 and have children like that that could be my story but also I could not marry I could not have children and God is still good just learning to say that and really believe it yes I feel like that's kind of what, what I've been grappling with at this stage in life because when you're at 30 like, really like 30 I felt very old but you still you know <laughs> there's still time you know and like and also seeing that like God could like give you a husband at 45 or 55 yeah. 
or 65 yeah. and write a really sweet story there. And that could be your story. Yeah. And it could be really good um, versus that used to be really sad mm. and scary. And there, there's still a lot of grief and a lot of sadness over yeah. not getting the story I wanted and letting go of the story that I want, yeah. possibly. But I think there is that letting go and yeah. really just kind of coming to God with open, more open hands and saying, okay. I, yeah. I've tried and also there's that like I've tried like it's not yeah. like it's not like <laughs> like I I've tried looked, God. you know yeah. I've been on dates and I've I've like ex- you know I've tried to like kind of like be open you know um but also like I think at, I've a lot more of that has happened in the past 15 years than before that yeah. so I think after all of that you're kind of like okay like you really realize that God is in control and you are not yeah. mm-hmm. so reminds me um so the very first podcast that we aired was my conversation with Katherine Stein and I like in it we talk about I came to her house the night she found out she had cancer and like we're hugging and crying and she said I didn't want to be the girl with the cancer testimony (laughs) like but that's not what I wanted and like I kind of hear it here too like God, you're going to be good, but, like, I didn't want to be the girl with the I'm single at fill-in-the-blank age, you know? Mm-hmm. And it really does just point back to exactly what you were saying of, like, we are not in control, and God is still good if you have the cancer testimony or the infertility testimony mm-hmm. or the single testimony or whatever it is, you know, whatever hardship may come. Um, but, yeah, it reminded me of that, of just, like, but that's not what I wanted, and it's, like, rarely do you we get exactly what we want you yeah know? Mm-hmm. Well, and I, praise god that we don't because mm-hmm. i feel like i look back and i think man i'm a really terrible judge of what'll be good for me mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i think that's like a really sweet part of the church too because it's like if you're not if you're just like living your little single life and like in your bubble and like kind of sometimes you can get in this pity party mode it's like one thing but when you're in relationship and when you're in community you're seeing all these different people and their stories live out and mm-hmm. people going through hard things and so, mm-hmm. like, it helps me, like, just to get outside myself and to see, like, no, we're all going through hard things. Yeah. And a lot of people are going through harder things than I am. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, the single journey, like, day to day is really good. It's, like, yes. the, the, like, thinking that this could be my life forever part that's mm-hmm. scary. But, that's like, it, there's so many days at the end of the day, I'm, like, this was a really good day. Like, yeah. I mm-hmm. had so many, like, I love my life, you know? Yes. Like, and yes. just having those moments, like, yes. Along with walking alongside, you know, because like bad things happen. Like I've had hard things, you know, <laughs> um, but just walking through other people who are going, you know, who are living those. I think everyone's living this not a story that they envisioned for their life. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And so sometimes you think like, oh, because I'm single, I didn't get what I wanted. But like, no, that's true of everyone. Like to everyone. A degree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, this and who is am I to think world. that like I have this <clears throat> special thing, you know, yeah. that like yeah. was dealt to me. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a um, it's not like a competition. Like, right. <laughs> Like, who got the worst deal here? Right. You know, like, no, it's not a yeah. competition. Yeah, we all have joys and we all have hardships. Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, I think to end, I'd love to hear just any kind of resources, books, sermons, podcasts, whatever that you guys have um, leaned into or have really enjoyed, I guess, specifically on walking a life of singleness or waiting or whatever. I know exactly what you're going to say, I think. Do you have a book recommendation? Oh, did you see the books that I brought? Because I wasn't yeah. going to remember the names. Okay, yeah. That's uh, the one that I thought you were going to say. Uh, yep. Yeah. So the top of my stack is, um, and I feel like overall, like, 
I don't have like it's not something I like go to a lot. Like I feel yeah. like I yeah. feed myself with other things that then encourage me and this you. more yeah. generally speaking. Um, but the book Seasons of Waiting by Betsy Child Howard, yes. we read as um, I think she came and spoke at Reading Room a few years maybe ago, four or five years ago. Yeah, um, and I remember just really connecting. I feel like she does a really good job with both being really real about what things feel like in, in seasons of waiting, whether that's waiting for marriage or waiting for a child or can look like lots of things. That's but what I feeding scripture into it. it. Yeah, because it connects all of those things. I appreciated that book because when I got it, it's funny, I was pregnant with John when I read it. And I was like, well, dang, I wish I'd found this like nine <laughs> months ago. Like this would have been nice. But each chapter is a different season of waiting. And so I think you know, the first, the, the two that we have talked about are waiting for marriage and waiting for children, but it's like waiting for healing, mm, waiting for a prodigal yeah. child. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like, oh, like waiting for a home. I think that might be one mm-hmm. or like home good. community, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it kind of levels the playing field of like, we're all waiting for something. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. That's one. And then these are like, I'm telling Kate, these aren't like the most like highly, best literature that I've ever recommended, but I own two books about single women. Um, and one is called Revelations of a Single Woman by Connolly Gilliam. And it's kind of, it's about written by a woman who's Christian and single, like around mm-hmm. our age. And it's just kind of like her reflections on mm-hmm. that journey. And I think more than anything, it just kind of makes you feel not alone to hear somebody else mm-hmm. talking about it. Um, and then this kind of ridiculous book that I somehow inherited from an old roommate called A Year of Blind Dates by Megan Carson, which is like literally it's like this girl who goes on blind dates through a dating service for a year. And she's a believer. So she kind of comes from that perspective. But I remember when I like I wasn't going to read it like it just I ended up with it. And um, and then I ended up like like flying through it and like kind of but also kind of like secretly doing it and then passing on to a friend and it kind of became this like sisterhood of the traveling plants book where we're all like this is a really silly ridiculous book about a girl going on blind dates but we kind of love it at the same time that's hilarious well the secret's out yes that's awesome so i read it i admit it on the podcast there you go (laughs) well um like madeline i'm also a huge reader but when i like saw this on the list of questions i was like gosh I, I'm like a podcast junkie. I read all the time and I've really not spent a lot of time on singleness. And I think part of it is, I don't know that there's that many resources out there, mm-hmm. um, like on the, you know, believer side of things, but two, like Madeline said, I kind of just focus on like the things I do have in my life. And like, I don't know, like, I, I just haven't felt any, found anything like super specific to singleness, but, um, I, a few years ago, was struggling uh, through a a difficult season health-wise and, like, other dreams, Mm -hmm. other life dreams. Because I have other dreams besides being married, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. As you do. Yeah. As you do. Other dreams in my life were being, you know, torn down by the Lord and rebuilt in other ways. And I, like, somehow ended up on this, like, list of like a launch team for Katie Davis Major's book. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with Katie Davis, but Kisses like Kisses from Katie. Yes, Kisses mm-hmm. from Katie. So I had read Kisses from Katie. I'd really enjoyed it. Um, but then like she had this new book coming out and I was like, oh yeah, I'll be on the launch team for this. And it was like literally in the middle of this like horrendous season I was going through. And it's called Daring to Hope. Mm-hmm. And I think, Madeline, maybe you said something like this when we were talking um, a few weeks ago, but hope is just such a hard thing. Mm. Like, 
And I think everybody feels that, like, depending on what they're hoping for. Mm -hmm. Like, hope can be so brutal Mm -hmm. because it can let you down so often. And through this book and through that season, I really learned that, like, I cannot, I can hope for things. I can hope that I'll be married. I can hope that I'll be healed. I can hope that this will happen. But I can't put my hope in those things. And it's really hard to know where that line is a lot. Um, and I think this this book, Daring to Hope, um, it really helped me kind of work through that. And it, it applies so much to my singleness journey as well mm-hmm. as to this, like, my health journey. And so even though it's not specifically about singleness, I think just the way that it just shaped how I feel about hope and how like, okay, I need to allow my heart to hope, but it needs to be hoping in the Lord while hoping for other things, but knowing that if those things are not given to me, it doesn't shake my ultimate hope. Yes. And it's the ideal. I rarely get there, (laughs) but, but yeah, just like trying to have that heart. Yeah. Well, Y'all have straight up preached on this podcast, (laughs) and I'm in awe. I mean, I legitimately thank y'all so much for sharing and vulnerably sharing. I felt, I mean, I told y'all this when I asked, when we started emailing about this whole thing, like, (laughs) I am literally, like, the last person I would choose to host a podcast (laughs) on singleness, seeing as I got married as a 22-year-old a week after my graduation from Auburn. I just don't have a lot to offer um, (laughs) regarding this topic as far as lived experience. I've seen it, haven't experienced it. Um, So I'm grateful that y'all would come and share. And I'm learning. I mean, we've talked about this multiple times and I'm still learning things. And so um, I'm just really appreciative. And I know that the seven trillion single women who are <laughs> at our church will definitely benefit. So thank y'all so much. You're the mom. Thanks for having us. Thank you.